Chapter four, at the point of failure and beyond. Once a card fails, the real fun begins and the customer enters into a grace period that gives you time to recover the customer's payment information. Before we walk through the levers to pull during this period, let's talk about that grace period specifically. We recommend a grace period of 14 days, meaning once the card fails, you'll have 14 days to retry the credit card or get updated payment information from your customer. 14 days is pretty crucial because it's the point at which we see recovery drop off a cliff. You'll still do a number of things after these 14 days to recover customers, but this is the point that you should officially mark the customer as lost. Why should you go shorter than 14 days? Well, some of you sell data or limited-to-use products where trial fraud can be a problem. If this is the case, I would treat your trialing customer payment failures differently than your active customer payment failures. It'll allow you to handle the trial fraud with a shorter recovery window while still maintaining a proper fighting chance with your active customers. There are some exceptions here, but 9 out of 10 of you reading this will be perfect with a 14-day window. And having established the window, let's just jump into what we should do with that actual window. Dumb or smart retries, plus 10 to 15% in recovery. Programmatic retrying of a failed credit card is absolutely foundational when it comes to battling credit card failures. At the very least, make sure that these are turned on inside your payment processor or your subscription management product. If the product offers quote-unquote smart retries, then make sure those are turned on too, as opposed to a product that just retries the card every X days. Remember, retrying a credit card allows us to account for a good number of failure reasons, while also not messaging the customer. There's a limit on the number of times you can retry a credit card though, and if you try too many times, you'll actually trigger some fraud warnings and potentially rack up a lot of fees, so use them wisely. Smart retries will get you some extra recovery, but keep in mind the intelligence driving these retries is being run by an aggregate model. To take retries to the next level, you need to decouple your retry logic from your processor or subscription management product and spin them up yourself based on your data. This is what we do with Profile Retain's tactical retries, where we'll actually observe your data in the context of global data to more intelligently retry these credit cards. The effect is that retries happen based on proper triggers. For example, if you're a consumer-focused company, smart retries would likely trigger a retry at 12.01 a.m. Pacific on the 1st and 15th of the month, which is commonly payday. While a B2B brand's retry logic may favor Monday since this is when a large amount of receivables get paid. Again, if you don't have the data or engineering power here, just go basic and trust your processor or subscription management product. Yet, if you're looking for more or you're beyond eight to $10 million in revenue, you should definitely decouple your retry logic. Email, SMS, and in-app notifications, plus 30 to 40% in recovery. As we've learned, there are a lot of reasons why credit cards fail. While we're going to aim for not over-messaging users through things like retries, the single largest bucket of recovery will come from your customers manually updating their payment information in your system. To be clear and to set the right expectations, you will need to properly message your customers to solve the bulk of your credit and debit card failure problem. You need to message your customers in the right manner though, which hinges on good messaging, smart cadences, and connecting with them in the right medium. Let's walk through each medium of messaging. First up, email. While we may all have a love and hate relationship with email, it's extremely effective, which is why we all use it for a multitude of uses. In terms of credit card failures, we're gonna take advantage of marketing and sales best practices to get our customers to update their payment information. In terms of copy, you should not use HTML graphic heavy emails for a few reasons. For one, 
their deliverability isn't as great as plain text emails. And when it comes to credit card recovery, deliverability is absolutely key. These types of emails also don't create a good amount of reciprocity as they evoke an image of a faceless brand that's easily ignored with the many other marketing emails we all receive. With Propo Retain, we typically see 20 to 30% lower click-through rates with HTML graphic-heavy emails compared to plain text. If you're okay with this trade-off, then go ahead and use your heavily branded emails, but you can create a phenomenal experience using plain text. Instead, make your emails more human by making them appear to be coming from an actual human. Below, we're going to read through a good example, and when an email comes from an individual, especially one involved in kind of an embarrassing situation like credit or debit cards failing, your individual end customer will feel obligated to either remedy the situation or respond with reasoning as to why there's an issue. Here's an initial email we've seen work well, and you can email me at pcapprofile.com if you'd like all of this copy in physical form. Email subject, your credit card payment for Masterclass failed. Email body, hey hero, Molly from Masterclass here. I'm writing because it looks like your subscription payment of $100 didn't go through. Please update your information here and we'll give it another try. Let us know if you have any questions. Molly, community and product, Masterclass. Notice how the email also doesn't put any blame on the customer and makes it appear as if there's some sort of system issue. Accusatory or aggressive language can work, but should only be ratcheted up in subsequent emails. Here's an example of a second email that has more bill collectory language, such as, quote, second notice. Email subject, second notice, another unsuccessful payment for your masterclass account. Email body, hey hero, just retried to process the $100 subscription payment, but unfortunately it didn't go through. To keep your account active, please update your information here. Let us know if you have any questions. Molly. Community and Product Masterclass. In terms of all the mechanics around emails, here are a good number of notes to keep in mind. One, use a transactional email provider to send these emails. You'll get better deliverability than your marketing email provider, and deliverability is key. Two, experiment with the number of emails you send. We find the average subscription company should be sending four to five emails over a 14-day period. Three, make sure you test, test, and test some more. Time of day you send, distance between sends, subject line copy, body copy, etc. With Profile or Retain, we're testing continuously for our customers and typically find every company has some small tweaks that'll have a very, very big impact. Four, in the spirit of minimum viable tactic, make sure you couple your credit card retries with your messaging so you're not needlessly sending a message if you've already recovered someone through a retry. SMS and WhatsApp. Text messaging is another medium you should be using with credit card failures. While email is great, text messages are opened at a rate of 90% plus, and that's according to Adobe, and recovery rates typically follow at a very, very high proportion. You should follow the same best practices from the email section above, although your text will look a bit more corporate, assuming you're following the laws and regulations, which of course you should. Just keep reinforcing value. You'll also likely not be able to send as many text messages as emails, depending on the frequency you currently send to your customers. SMS is a bit like email in the 90s. It's a bit more sacred and kind of like your mailing address at home. You protect it a bit more, so you want to be careful not to annoy your customers. And this feeling seems to be eroding quickly, depending on your generation. If you're just starting off, send one SMS message. If you have the data model and ability to coordinate between your different efforts, then you can send more. Just keep in mind the third plank of our framework, which is the minimum viable tactic. In-app notifications. 
Very similar to SMS and email, follow the same best practices around copy and making sure you test. Unlike those two mediums though, you can actually in-app message with greater frequency depending on your customer's active usage. You still wanna protect a great user experience, but the signal you get in from a user or whole team logging in gives you some more data to play with and drive your strategy. If you don't have time to model the right strategy, then I'd recommend showing a notification once per day the first 10 to 11 days of the grace period, and then showing it on each login for the last few days of the grace period. To be clear, this is during the grace period, so you can pester a bit more than if this was an expiration before the card even failed. Assuming you have some bandwidth on the data and engineering side, the more advanced version of this follows similar practices to the in-app notifications that we talked about in the expiration section. Always keep in mind that you want to coordinate this with your other outreach and practices. A couple of other common best practices. One, actual notifications that pop into frame or screen takeovers used sparingly work a lot better than a persistent bar on the screen. The motion grabs attention and puts users into a better decision-making state. Two, Team products should be an advantage because there are a bunch of users in the account. It's okay to notify the whole team of the payment failure because you have a whole team then finding the person who can update the payment information. Three, some products don't have people that log in much. You should still set up the basics here because every inch or centimeter counts. Four, do not send your users to your billing settings page to update their payment information. It's likely the worst design page of your app, which is okay, it's like that for everyone. Instead, have a modal pop-up where they can put the payment information in and then be on their way. Internationalization of messaging, plus three to 10%. Increasingly, customer bases are becoming globalized thanks to the internet. As a result, your messaging should be in the language that the customer prefers. You may find that this is difficult to do for your entire application or website, but doing this for email, text, and in-app notifications should be easier. With ProfitWell Retain, we automatically put the copy in the language of the customer using some cool technology, but you can do this based on a language preference loaded into the billing system or your marketing automation software. When should you do this? Well, you should run an analysis of your customer base or even just a quick survey. If you end up having 20% or more of your customers with a language preference that isn't what you normally publish in, then we'd spend some time implementing internationalization. The revenue is worth the work at this point. No sign-in forms, plus 15 to 20% recovery. Beyond email, the other largest gain to be made is to ensure that your customers don't have to log in to update their payment information when they click on an email or an SMS message. The experience is pretty awful when they have to log in, go to the billing settings page, then enter their card. I know it seems like it shouldn't be that big of a deal, but every step triggers some sort of drop-off in your funnel, and there's just a better way for your user experience to be great and also recover as many failed credit and debit cards as possible. The better way is to build some technology that allows the customer to simply go to a PCI-compliant, private form where they can just input their payment information, and when they hit submit, it goes right into the processor without you handling any of that data. You'll need some engineering help here, but if there's one thing to use engineering resources for, it's setting this up. Also, make sure the form and page are mobile-friendly and that you incorporate Apple or Google Pay or the equivalent in your home region. Change the flow for delinquent customers, locking them out, plus 5 to 10% in recovery. We know this is going to seem almost condescending and at the very least pedantic, but make sure you're locking out the customers who aren't paying you after the 14-day grace period. You would be surprised at the number of companies we've spoken with over the years that end up not actually locking out these users, 
and just not realizing that these users are continuing to use their product. The reason this happens is that your engineering or billing team rightfully treats active cancellations and payment failures differently. Yet some of these teams forget to close the loop when it comes to the payment failure customers who then just get a perpetual grace period to keep using the product. Typically, one out of every 15 companies we encounter fall prey to this accident, some realizing millions in annual revenue are currently getting the product for free. Here's a good example of locking out the user. When they come back, essentially they're prompted with this message that tells them that they need to update their payment information before they're allowed back into the product. You can actually use the modal for the last few days of the grace period too, with an ability to snooze the notification. Ultimately, this path allows the user's data and account to be present at the point of return, solidifying the user experience and quickly getting updated payment recovery. Other factors contributing to recovery. Payment processor location. You should have a business entity with a processor in each of the main regions you serve. If 80% of your customers are in the United States, but you're based in the EU, have a U.S. entity and a U.S. bank. I know that's hard for some companies, and if you're small, just ignore this advice. Yet for the big dogs listening to this, it's an important lesson because you'll consistently find aligning your entity with your customer base decreases payment and credit card failures. Card updater products. A lot of credit card companies will do this automatically depending on the credit history of the individual. Amex, for example, does this quite often. But there are programs out there that will attempt to update credit card expiration dates or actual cards. We found these have mixed results and often still require a user to confirm or update their payment information. Sometimes they even cause headaches for support because buyers don't want the company changing this information without permission. If you're big enough, we'd at least try one of these programs because some folks, they work very, very well. But if you're small enough, I wouldn't really worry about this at this time. ACH, PayPal, and note on payment types. ACH and PayPal typically have a bit of a higher recovery rate because you're getting directly to their bank account with ACH, or you have an entity who's trying to get updated payment information alongside you, like PayPal, GoCardless, etc. You need to keep in mind that these payments still fail though for a whole host of reasons, so your messaging is going to need to be set up properly still. Further, depending on where you're located or where your customer base exists, you may need to use different types of payment providers that are preferred by your customers. German buyers don't typically like using credit cards. Eastern Europe still loves PayPal. Alipay and WePay dominate China. The important concept here is to make sure you're charging in the way your customers want to be charged. 